The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct with the King podcast. I am your host, Jay Spence the King, and I am back for the fifth time on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. And... I'm coming to you on a week that I'm not too happy, but I'm not that sad. It's a uh, the game was good. The Buffalo Bills took a L. We, we lost to the Arizona Cardinals on a last-second hail mary pass from Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. And I tell you, at first reaction i was very very distraught and i'm sure for those of you who tuned in to the chop up you were able to see my 15 minute vent where it's just like frustration at the fact that something like that happened to us but one of the things that i can rest my head or like one of the things i can be positive about is that it happened and it took a miracle for them to beat us i get it shouldn't have been as close as it was but guess what? It's close. It's, it's the NFL. Kyler Murray is good. I told you guys last week. I told you on the Hump Day Hotline. I told you on the pregame show. Do not underestimate Kyler Murray. The kid is special. And we got to see it. So as Bills fans, we get to see Josh Allen every single week. And we, we get to see him do these miraculous things where he's winning games in the fourth quarter. Or he's making passes that not many other guys in the league can make. Arizona has one of those guys on their team. And unfortunately, he got the ball last. Josh Allen did everything that he was supposed to do. He did everything that he was supposed to do. So you can't be mad at him. You can't be mad at the team for this. I I get it. Everybody wanted to be 8-2 and two going into the bye week. I did too. I get it. But they, they did nothing wrong. I am very, very happy with the team. I'm not going to get on here and bash them. It was a good game. Going into the bye, first in the division. We're 7-3. and three. We're all right. So today, I have joining me Mr. Mark Maddox. I'm going to jump right into this interview. We got a jam-packed one for it. Uh, I will apologize in advance for the sound quality. We have some issues um, with recording Mr. Mark, but it's okay. Uh, he, he gave us a lot of good stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Check it out. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, I finally, um, I've been, I've actually, I've asked Mr. Uh, Maddox to, to join me on this about, I think I, I joined your bingo over the summer. Yes. And, then, and I think there was a, a pause on the bingo games. I know you do other things, you know, with the, the Buffalo Babes or the Buffalo Ladies or something like that. Yeah, the Bills Mafia Babes. Bills Mafia Babes. So we finally uh, were able to to link our schedules up properly, and it just so happened to fall on the week that the Buffalo Bills played the Arizona Cardinals. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have with me former Buffalo Bills and former Arizona Cardinals linebacker, Mr. Mark Maddox. How's it going today, sir? It's going pretty good, Spence. Thanks for Thanks for having me on, and it's good to get on. Yeah, like you said, we have been trying to link up, and I've just been crazy, crazy busy. But I think this is probably one of this is probably the most appropriate time to talk, especially since I played with both teams. Yeah, I figured. I, I said, you know, that'd be a great time. So I figured when I reach back out, I'm like, this is the perfect time to do it. So, um, but you, you did just speak about you being busy a little bit there, and I talked about um, how I actually got a chance to meet you this past summer. So uh, let, before we jump into the questions about the game and about football, what's going on with your charity? And you know, are you still are, is Bingo coming back, or what else is going on? And how can we get involved and help? Yeah, um, we haven't been doing Bingo. Um, just because bingo got a little bit, I felt that the bingo, it was fun, but it wasn't as interactive. And my other buddy, Butch Roll, who played with me, said he wanted to do, he was going to try the bingo. And I told him, go ahead, because I was going to look into doing something else. So what I started doing was I started doing um, um, trivia. And the trivia is, oh my God, it's hilarious. And I do it with the Bills Mafia Babes. And I do need to ex- expand on it and do it with other groups so we can raise more funds. Um, but it's kind of like a little fun thing that we do. And and it's just, it's so, it's so hilarious sometimes when you see what goes on when I make them <laughs> go find bonus items in their house, like laundry detergent or like a wooden spoon. They go running off the camera and they come flying back in and, you know, but everybody's laughing and having a good time, you know, and it's all for a good cause. You know, I have a nonprofit called Help One Foundation and our primary, our primary, oh my God, I'm just my, our primary function is helping kids, low income kids with scholarships um, to attend camps in the summertime music, sports, church, you know, whatever kind of camp that they would need funding for. And being a high school coach for 10 years here in the Valley, it's really something that kids need because camps today for these kids are six, five, six hundred $600 to go to camp, you know, and some of these families can't afford it. You think of some of these families that have two kids, one kid being a junior, one kid being a freshman, and they both want to play football. It's over at Grand just to go to camp for the kids for a week. You know, parents don't have a thousand dollars to shell out for these kids, and so that's why I started it. That was the main reason I started it. But then um, we branched off into doing other things like helping kids um, or doing a Christmas party um, at the holiday time to help families of low income, but they have a special needs child in the family. And that usually ends up being a single parent with multiple kids and one has special needs. And so we've been doing that and, you know, but from working with the, 
doing a bingo this past year, we helped with 20 essential care packs for senior citizens during COVID when they couldn't find hand sanitizer, disinfectant, mask, and stuff like that. So we put that together, worked with a couple hospice um, companies that I know, and we got that to some of their seniors who were in dire need of that stuff. You know, we've done with the Babes Mafia, we've done backpacks, uh, not back, well, they were backpacks, but they were blessing bags that we filled up with um, food, um, combs, brushes, toiletries, um, you know, some masks, water for homeless people. And just three weeks ago, we went out and handed, you know, 40 bags out, you know. So I'm constantly working, doing stuff like that. So that's what keeps me busy. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's a good thing to be busy doing. Uh, and I know I remember before um, when I was able to join Bingo a couple of times, you mentioned some things that you were doing with your, with your charity that, you know, I was hoping to get involved in. So when you start picking and I get it, COVID changed a, a ton for all of us this year. Yes. Uh, but but once you're able to get back into, you know, the swing of things like normal, I'm out here as well. I'm in the valley. Yep. So please, please, please reach out and let me know. Um, that, that's awesome though, man. It, it's, it's great that you're doing that. And, and trust me, the Bills babes, man, they love, like, I, I, I see it all the time. They tweet about it. Um, yeah. it, you know, everybody just seems to love it. And you know, bingo was fun. So I can only imagine how the room is, <laughs> uh, you know, it, so I can only imagine it. So, but Hey, let's, uh, let's get into it. So this past Sunday, our Buffalo Bills, um, played against the Arizona Cardinals. They came to the Valley and, First of all, it was a it was a heck of a game. Like it was a very good game. Um, it, w- it was it was well played on both sides. You know, both teams made plays when they needed to. Um, it was one of those things where people kept asking me. You know, since I played for both teams, who who are you cheering for? Who are you cheering for? Who do you want to win? Who do you want to win? And you know, I was like Buffalo. I want Buffalo to win. That's my first choice. And I said, but what I really want to see. It's just a good game. I don't want to see a blowout or anything like that. I want to see a good game. And and you know what? So we we were blessed to have that because um, it's so many times now in games, you'll you'll get good games. So I don't want to talk as if there's never a good game anymore. But when you have explosive offenses like like what we saw from both teams, typically you know you normally I see a team show up and then the other one kind of just like not be clicking and then you know it's a blowout. I was mm-hmm. happy that it was a very good game. The thing that I wasn't happy about is um, I'm sure the thing that everybody's going to be talking about all week and we have a bye week. So probably for another couple of weeks, um, it ended on the last second Hail Mary prayer from Kyler Murray that D hop caught. And I mean, it was one of those things where it, it it's one of those plays that we're going to see on highlights for years to come. Uh, what was your reaction at first, you know, when it happened, when you were watching the game? What was your reaction to it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is what's so bad about it, okay? I was at the game itself and watching a game, and when it got to that position and that time was left, I swear, before the play, I was like, ooh, I want to do watch and call. I want to get a recording of the score and what's going on on the giant screen scoreboard. So I take my phone, I get my phone, I turn my phone off, and I go to find the scoreboard, and I'm looking to get the score of the Bills up 30 to 26. And I'm like, okay. And the big screen is up above, and I see the play start. And 
I see someone almost get Kyler Murray, and I'm like, oh, okay, he almost got him. But I'm still looking at my phone at the big screen, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, he almost got him. He almost got him, and he's going out of bounds, right? And he turns and throws the ball, and I'm like, okay, I'm thinking nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, I hear everybody scream, and I didn't listen to the recording, but I'm pretty sure I'm like, what the is going on you know and and i look and everybody's jumping up and down and i'm like no what did i just miss you know and then when they showed the replay of it i was just like it it did it just like took the wind out of you you're just like seriously that just happened and i was just like you know whoever took that one picture of that in the end zone i mean that picture is absolutely perfect yeah um and it just shows you, you know, it just shows you that the simple little things can affect the game. And one thing that we've always been taught as a defense, as a defensive player on a Hail Mary, if you're back there, you never, ever try to catch the ball. Right. You don't catch the ball. You swat at the ball. You knock the ball down. You do everything possible to get the ball on the ground. And I didn't see that. And I was just like, all that training. And I know these guys have been told that. And anyone who's played defense knows they've been told that. Anyone who plays offense in the league knows they've been told that. Because that's what happens when you don't swat at the ball. You know, someone's going to catch it. And hopefully it's you, but, or your teammate, but if it's not, you're in a lot. They're going to get, they're going to get talked about or not talked about, but they're going to get a good talking from Frazier about that play. And he's been, um, Leslie Frazier, I feel like the last couple of weeks, we've seen an improvement on that side of the ball, but um, obviously that play, if, if people go back and look at that one particular play is going to look as if we were um, out of sorts or didn't, you know, advise the players to do things properly. But um, on the defensive side of the ball, with you being a a retired linebacker in the league, what are your thoughts on Tremaine's play? And um, and really, well, we'll we'll stick there first. I'll 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 hold the second question next. But what do you what do you think about the way Tremaine has been picking up his play? Um, I I I see the okay when I watch. The thing that I see that is a little concerning to me is that it doesn't seem as if he's as physical, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know if it was last week or the week before against the Patriots, but I seen a receiver get into him and he couldn't get off the block. And I'm just like, if a receiver even thought about trying to block me, he was pretty much going to get flattened, okay, or tossed like a rag doll. And I didn't see that. Now, Tremaine has great speed. He is a pure sideline-to-sideline linebacker. He can catch – he can run sideline-to-sideline better than any, you know, than most backers in the league. And he will make a lot of plays that way. But I don't see the physicality there – you know, to take on those linemen and get off of blocks and make plays. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm hoping that improves. And he has been making more plays, but I still see a little issue with getting off of blocks right now. That's the main thing that I have a concern with, you know, and the other thing is, and I think this is because of the defense of, you know, the defenses that they're running, you know, he's, he's a little too deep um, for a lot of things. Like the one they were, it was third down in like seven or eight. And yeah, you do drop, you know, your drop is usually, you know, eight to 10 or 12 to 15, depending on what coverage it is. And it seemed like he was like 12 or 13 yards deep. And when the guy caught the ball in front of him, he made the tackle, but it was the first down. It was already a first down. Yeah. yeah. I've and noticed so, that too. Yeah. And so I know he's been playing really deep. There was one game, shit, I thought he was a safety. When you looked at the lineup, I looked at the lineup, I'm like, I'm like, wait, who is that? I'm like, what is he playing, safety? <laughs> right. Like you he's know, all he, the way in the, yeah, <laughs> all he, the way back. He, no, but he literally was deeper then the corners and the strong safety who walked down. Wow. Yeah, and I'm like, that just baffled me. But um, I, he, he, he's a good linebacker, don't get me wrong. you know. And like I said, sideline to sideline, he's going to cut. Like that play that he made, um, Kyler Murray cut back. You know, that's because of his speed. He can do those great things. you know. But the thing I want to see is more strength, upper body strength and fighting off of offensive linemen and receivers. If he does that, oh, my God, he'll be unbelievable. Well, and the thing that's that's really um, interesting to me, so early in the season, a lot of fans, myself included, we noticed that it seemed that he was over-pursuing at first. So early on in the season, it looked like he was kind of like, just over pursuing to the point where he's missing tackles or he's missing certain plays because he was just going too hard. Now I do see that it seems like he's, um, he's just not, I don't want to say it like he's not tackling well, cause he's a great tackler. He's a great yeah. player. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that there's a couple parts here and there where, you know, things just aren't connecting for him like they normally do. Um, as far as, as far as his role, I, one of the things that I've been really, I've been trying to defend him. A lot of people have been saying that they think that his position should be switched. What do you feel about that? Um, I think, I don't know if his position should be switched. I think that, you know, you work, you work with where you are. Okay. And with him being an inside linebacker, I think he has the tools and the skill to be really successful there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what you were talking about, like overrunning plays and stuff like that, I think what is happening, and I'm going to put this on the whole defense, okay? You have more than just him over-pursuing, okay? It's one of those things, it's like, and um, hopefully we might talk about it a little bit later. Uh, When Kyler Murray scored the touchdown on, you know, the, the option play, um, the defense, you always have someone for the dive. You have someone for the quarterback. We didn't have anyone for the quarterback. That's the reason he walked into the end zone. Right. Okay. And I think they ran that play maybe three times. Um, and I went to the game with my friend Bob, and there was another point that the Cardinals needed something, and they lined up. And I told Bob, I'm like, here they come, option again. I said, watch. And what did they run? 
the option again, and Kyler Murray takes off, okay, mm-hmm. and gets the first down. And I'm like, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not even playing, and I know what they're running. So you as a defensive coordinator, you should know what they're most likely going to run or come out and do. Right. And the third time they ran it, they blitzed the corner off the edge for Kyler Murray, and that's when they stopped them at the end towards the end of the game. Right. Uh-huh. And I seen that and I'm like, oh, now you finally figured it out. You know, but you know, if you in high school, that's the first thing they tell you on option. The defensive end has the back. Don't go for the quarterback. Has the back. Whoever your linebacker is over there has the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if it's not your if it's not your if it's not your linebacker, it's your corner. Okay. So you aren't doing something or teaching something right because it's not like the Cardinals haven't run that play, you know, right. throughout the year. <laughs> they, they run all the time. And That's so, the thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I, my whole thing was from the first four weeks of watching games, our defense, and I think they're still doing it, but the problem is we're not maintaining gap integrity. We're not playing discipline. If you know you have the backside A gap on flow away, you don't run across to the front side A or B gap because the back is already that far because you have cut back. And if you notice, like on a lot of those zone plays, when they cut it back with Drake, we had no one over there. Where was the person who was supposed to be backside? And that's the stuff that bothers me with what our defense is doing. So, and I think Tremaine tries to make up and try to stop plays front side when he needs to really stay behind the ball. Yeah, and and so you you bring up a couple of good points. Well, for starters, earlier in the in the episode, you even mentioned like any any player at this point knows, hey, you know, like you mentioned in the end zone, you pat the ball down. Yep. Same thing. If you've been playing football even since little league, you know, um, there's certain. There's certain ways that you know to defend certain players. Kyler Murray, he's the player that we've seen him be in college. He's the player that we've seen all season up to this point, all last season. So we know that 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 option play is in there. We know it's one of their favorite plays to run. We know that he's quick. So it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, why are we just not like, why are we ignoring the fact? So on the one that he scored, we didn't even have anybody for the quarterback. Why are we ignoring that? And I, I, I hesitate all the time because I don't want to seem like a person to question the coaching staff or, que- you know, I'm not a pro. So, you know, I can't do it. But it's like, like you said, if I'm watching it on TV and I can tell, well, they're going to run this option. Why doesn't Leslie seem to know that, man? But that That is exactly my point. That is my question that I ask myself. And, you know, I know they're going to watch film and there's probably going to be like, you know what? You have the quarterback on this play. You know, and and it's so hard depending on what covers you're playing. If they're playing man, you know, if they're playing man, then it kind of changes. The defensive end has the quarterback and the linebacker has the um, the dive, you know, mm-hmm. because if your corner, if you don't have anyone in the flat, then you your defensive end has contained and he has to keep contained and the linebacker has to make the play, you know. So there is responsibility, and that responsibility is based on what the defense is between man and zone and, you know, how they're playing it, 
And, you know, but I, I know for a fact it's something that they talk about. And I'm pretty sure Frazier has, you know, will be on them about that. But my whole point is it shouldn't have, you shouldn't have that many mistakes, Yeah, you know, playing the game. Like when you grade out as a player, you know, when I graded out as a player, I was, you know, and I, I forgot what percentage they considered that we, you know, played well, but you know, if I made, if I made one mistake, I was pissed, you know, just one mistake. I was pissed when I went in. And the thing is, Spence, when I would, after the game, if we were at home, after the game, go home, eat dinner, do whatever with my family. And when everybody's getting ready to go to sleep, I watched the game. I watched the film because I had it taped. So I watched the game. After that, when I got up in the morning, I went and watched with one of the assistant linebacker coaches, okay, in his office and go over everything. You know, because I was a signal caller, made all the adjustments. And so I make sure, you know, we talk about what happened here, what could have, we could have done or what went wrong. And so I've watched the film twice now before we even got together as a team and watched right. the film. <laughs> so I'd watched that film like three times just to know what, where we went wrong, what we did wrong. So that the next week or the next time we played the team, especially someone in our division, we wouldn't have those issues, you know? And that I know Frazier's talking to them about that, but for that many mistakes, you know, something needs to be done. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because, you know, you didn't get a chance to have all the practices because of the COVID and didn't get a chance to, you know, really gesh um, or gel and mesh together. I don't know if that's what it is, but, like I said, there's like not a lot of gap discipline. You know, they're not playing sound defense where I know I have front side. I know I have backside. I don't need to go over there and make that play. I need to have faith in my teammates to make that play. And that's what I really feel Tremaine's trying to do is make a lot of plays, mm -hmm. you know, instead of just doing his job. You can't cover for everyone, you know, and it's one of those things. I told someone, I said, listen, it, I got to the point where, you know, when I started my third year and we were going to the Super Bowl, I played pretty much that whole year not telling Bruce that, hey, man, you got to do your job. But I don't know what game it was, but he did something to let a guy come down on me and then he didn't make the play. I'm like, listen, you got to do your job, man, because I can't do my job and your job. Right. And when I told him that, it was it was totally different. You know, he knew that I I was serious. He knew that. I'm, I'm going to do my job. You need to do yours. Don't try to do my job for me. Okay. And I think that's what we have. I think we have some guys trying to do other people's jobs. And the thing, and I think, um, and I, you know, you, you have firsthand experience to make that comment. And I think when you have great players or even not just great players, when you have professionals and you say, look, man, I get it. You're, you're an all time. Great. But listen, you, you left me out to dry here. Yep. <laughs> do your part. I'm going to do my part. And I just feel like if that communication and, and I think we have the roster that seems to be, um, you know, to have that camaraderie to be able to be honest with each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just it's it's confusing on that on that end. But to switch it up a little bit and make it positive, AJ Klein has improved for the last two games. So oh he's my looked completely <laughs> You know, um, at least for me, I, I was like pounding the table, like, get this guy out of here. Let's like, you, you know, pick me back up. I don't care. Like, sign me. I'll, I'll do it. I haven't played football in years and I have a torn ACL that just healed. But man, I'll do it. 
what do you yeah. think about AJ Klein and his um you know his his play has greatly improved over the last couple of weeks? I think I think when he first got in, he wasn't expecting it, and he wasn't expecting the speed or I don't know what it was, but yes, I completely agree with you. These last two games, he has been physical. He has been popping people. Mm-hmm. I've watched him hit linemen, shed linemen, make plays. And, I mean, his play has went from, say, a level four to a level eight like that, you know, the, yeah. the last two weeks. And, and I mean, but that's what you need. You need a guy. You, as an inside linebacker, you better be physical. I don't care if you weigh 220 pounds or 280 pounds. You need to be physical. And that's what a lot of people thought back in the 90s when Shane Conlon and Carlton Bailey, Ray Bentley, and those guys left because those were some bigger guys and they were physical. And then there's me and Marv Patton. You know, I'm 230, soaking wet. Well, about 233. And, you know, Marv Patton is like 240. But when it came to strength, we were the two strongest guys on the team pound for pound. Right. You know, and not only did we have speed, but we had strength and we didn't care about hitting a 350 pound lineman. We would do it, <laughs> you know, and that's what AJ Klein is doing. He's going up, hitting them in the mouth and shedding and making plays, you know, and I mean, that's the good thing. And because he doesn't have, you know, the speed that Edmonds does on plays away, you know, he's usually in the right spot because He's not trying to over-pursue anything. I'm, I'm just shocked that, you know, because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's a pro. Obviously, like, these guys have been playing football forever. But to see somebody drastically change their performance, this, you know, it, it, it makes you think, well, is this game? Did Leslie Frazier figure something out? Or did Klein kind of like, is, is the game slowing down for him in, in this scheme? Or... You know, and I can agree. I don't think he fully expected it because, you know, going into the season, we were healthy. So we thought Matt Milano, you know, Tremaine mm-hmm. Edmonds, we thought that we were just going to have our boys and it was going to be the way it is. And, um, you know, he had to step in. And even when Matt came back, he, he got injured again. Um, uh, Tremaine had some injuries as well. So, no, I could absolutely see it, man. It's, a, it's one of those things that's so impressive to watch, but it's frustrating as a Bills fan because so last season and the season prior, um, the defense at the beginning of the season kind of started off slow. I'm not sure. I don't know if you remember or not, but like last season, there was even rumors that Coach McDermott took over some of the defensive play calling for Leslie Frazier. So then now, like rounding out the defensive conversation before we move forward to the to the offense, it's one of those things where it's like, well, is this something that we really need to to really worry about every year? Our defense starting off slow. Our, you know, that you would think we have pretty much 85 to 90 percent of the same roster back Mm -hmm. so you would think that you know guys being in the same system we wouldn't start off slow you know you you would think that we would figure that out so I guess my last question about the defense um so we can have some fun with the offense I I guess my last question would be you know is that something that we really should be concerned with is it something that we need to really focus on and is it something that Leslie Frazier is it a Leslie Frazier thing is it could it be the COVID thing? Or what do you think it is on the defensive side that makes us start off slow? Well, I think um, the thing that really affects a lot of defenses, especially early in the year, 
is you haven't had any live opponents, you know, in the preseason, your, your starters aren't in that much and you kind of go into games, not cold, but cold. And, you know, you, you got to get into a rhythm. And I don't, I think sometimes your rhythm is based on your defensive play calling. So it is sometimes based on your defensive coordinator, but as a player, you have to find your groove and your rhythm as fast as you can. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I don't like when we were talking about Klein. I think that's the thing that he didn't do, you know, and I don't think he was expecting to expect to have to do that. And, you know, so I think that might be one of the issues. I do really feel that, you know, as a player, you do play better when there are people in the stadium. You know, you have that energy that comes from them on big plays and you hear them hearing it pump through the speakers. No, that's not the same. Because at the game yesterday, you know, they were pumping it through the system. But then when someone got hurt and they turned it off, you could just hear how quiet it was. And, you know, and I know the players are like, it's the same, like, repeated pattern of stuff through the system. And you're like, that's not real. You know, so I think, you know, the COVID has really affected the defenses a lot, especially because, you know, they didn't get the time to gel together to mesh together um, before playing. Um, like a full game. And so I do think that you do grow over the year, but even though you have, you know, 80% of your team back, it's always going to be different. It's always going to be different because your, 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 the teams that you're playing are going to do different things. They're going to know how to attack you, especially the ones in your division, you know, and that's what the coaches do in the off season. And, you know, as a defense, you have your defense, so you have to make your adjustments. And I think our defense, like I said, I don't know what Frazier is doing to correct things. You know, you hope he's doing the right things, and you would hope that the play, the players are understanding what the whole philosophy is and what you need to do to get it done. Well, let's let's hope that he can figure that out, man, because every yeah. year it seems like every and I love Coach Fred. I think he's mm-hmm. um one of the the first. I think he's a brilliant mind. I think yeah. he's one of the best guys you'll ever meet. You know, he's, yep. he's just such a kind and um authentic person. So, yep. you know, I, I don't. So for everybody listening, I don't want you to confuse me. Um I guess questioning Leslie Frazier as a coach, meaning, you know, that I'm saying anything negative about him. I think he's a fantastic coach. I just think that as a Bills fan and, you know, somebody who should hold the team accountable, all of us should hold our teams accountable. We start off way too slow to have the talent that we do on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. But okay, moving on, let's have some fun. Um, <laughs> Sunday, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen was a matchup that did not disappoint. Um, Josh had a, I think he had one of his worst games of the season, not to the point where I'm saying he was horrible, but to have two interceptions where he really could have had probably four, (laughs) you know, wanted him to stay away from Patrick Peterson. I did not want, I don't know why he kept trying to pick on him, but Patrick Peterson is not the guy that you, you know, you, you play around with. And I think Josh realizes that now he understands, but, um, but like I said, the game didn't disappoint at all. What, what are your thoughts on, on just, you know, the, the state of the league and where we are with these young quarterbacks and, and um, you know, just how fun was it for you to be there? You mentioned you were there. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was truly fun to, you know, see Josh in person to see Kyler in person and just to see the two of them compete against each other. 
okay, even though they're different defenses that they're competing against, but just to see the things that they do because that's what quarterbacks are judged on. How much mm-hmm. are you going to outperform the other quarterback? You know, when the, t- when the game's on the line, are you going to be Tom Brady and come back with 20 seconds left? Are you going to be Tom Brady and come back with 45 seconds left? Anytime that the Patriots were down and it was less than two minutes, you, if they only needed one score, you pretty much knew that you might, you, you very well could lose that game yeah. with however much time it was. <laughs> and, you know, and that's what it's about. And that's what these young quarterbacks are doing. You're right. Josh had, um, Josh had a good game and, and, you know, when it counted, but yeah, he did throw some balls that you were kind of like, uh, no, I wouldn't have thrown that, but yeah, okay. Don't do that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, yeah, no. Uh, okay. What? I don't know what you've seen. Okay. And, and like, I watch, I watch the games from like a coach's perspective. Like I heard what you say about Leslie and it's the same thing I said, you know, is whatever it is about the defense, not getting communicated. Um, you know, it does fall on him and he mm-hmm. has to get it done. And like I said, I think he does great things. Okay. And that's the same thing with the offense. I think our offense, we can do great things. It's like, you look at how many passes Beasley caught yesterday and he, he, he's open almost all the time, but because the way the offense is called, he's not your first, he's not your first choice. He's not your second choice. You know, he may be your outlet. He may be your third and you got to go through your progression as a quarterback because that's what you're taught. That's what you, you do. But there were some times in a game where I know I seen Josh look like he was locked on a receiver, and I was kind of like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. You know, and, you know, but you watch those two kids play and the other young kids, Patrick Mahomes, you know, you and Lamar Jackson, you got these mobile quarterbacks. As a defensive coordinator – they're putting hell on you, okay? They're putting you under some serious fire because you have to, like, that one play, and I'm like, oh, my God, please run a draw with Josh, you know, and what do we do? We run the draw, and I'm like, thank you. There's no one in the middle, and he's 6'5". He'll run over a DB, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so, but, no, those guys, they didn't disappoint, you know, in the game, and – they, they, they both played well, they both performed, and they both led their teams, you know, I feel, you know, in a positive way. They did. And, and so, Josh, um, he gets – this year he's getting respect. It, it, you know, people are noticing that he's growing. They're noticing that his numbers are not what, you know, the media tried to say that he normally is or was. Um, but they're still – kind of tends to be this if the bills can do this then we can think they're legit like there's still a big question mark for some reason um last year it was like okay if the bills can beat the cowboys we went in there on thanksgiving and we did it then we beat seattle or not seattle uh, this year we did but um last year then we beat pittsburgh now you fast forward to this year we beat the rams we beat seattle i know we just took the loss to um the cardinals but i feel like at this point, we're legit, man. At what what do you think we have to do now to really get this respect? That, and I, I know that the simple answer is win, uh, but we're seven and three, so we're we're winning. At what point, or what do you think we have to do to get that respect? Well, I think it ha- it's going to come from all phases of the game to get that respect, mm-hmm. in all honesty. And it's one of those things where 
when you have a dominant defense and a dominant offense, okay, that's what the sportscasters, journalists, news, whatever, they're looking for. And, like, for me, I'm like, do I feel we're legit? I don't feel like we're, I don't feel like we are at that point of, of um, domination. And, and there's, there's two reasons, or there's a couple of reasons. And this is what really bothers me about our team, our offense. Okay. I know when we played, if a team could run the ball on you, you were in trouble. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't know if it was going to be run or pass, okay? Because the running game opens up your passing game, all right? But when you look at our offense, our passing game should do wonders for our running game with the way we can throw the ball. And teams have found out, and this is me speaking from a coach's perspective, teams have found out. If they can use their front four to contain the run, they pretty much are going to win the game or make it um, make it difficult. hard for yeah. us as a, <laughs> as a team, okay, according to how our defense plays. And the reason I say that, because if you look at Tennessee and then who do we play after that? The Chiefs? Yes. Yeah. Um their front upset. four, their front four dominated our O line. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Josh had two of the worst passing games. Okay. And the reason they did is because they ran a combo man zone behind those front four. Okay. So what did Josh have to do? He had to get rid of the ball quick and his short his throws were short. He didn't have any time to go through progressions, okay? And not being able to go through progressions and having that short amount of time, he was off target, okay? I don't think it had anything anything to do with him being a bad quarterback, but it had everything to do with the play calling, okay? Because when you know teams are running those man zones, yeah, you want to run a guy across the field and throw the ball to a spot. Beasley's better run a crossing route. You better have um, Diggs or Brown or someone on the other side run a high-low crossing route, and whichever whichever DB doesn't go, that's where you're throwing the ball opposite of him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what you know our problem is. And our running game, if you notice, we had a successful running game against New England, okay? But why did we have a successful running game against New England? New England's front four wasn't that good, okay? They were good but not dominating. You know, mm-hmm. we competed with them. But where did we run the ball? It seemed like we ran the ball to the left all the time. Okay? But why did we run the ball to the left? Because New England was playing a nickel defense. Okay? And they brought in, no, they might have been playing Don and brought in two extra DBs. Yeah, they were playing a heck of a lot of DBs that game. Okay, yeah. So I think they were running a dime defense with six DBs. But when you went to the box, they had six in the box, but it was five, five or four linemen 
one linebacker and one DB. Where did they run? They ran at the DB every single time. And guess what? They were able to cut off the backside linebacker and we were able to get yards. Okay. But that's where they ran the ball every time. So, I mean, that's good play calling. That's good offensive play calling. Until they're able to stop it, you run it. Okay. But you need options off of it. Run your run um, your play action off of that same thing and to do that. And so that's the reason I feel that we're really in trouble is because we don't have a solid running game. We don't have, you know, that blow. We can't run zone plays against teams with a solid front four. It just doesn't work. Now, that's, you know? it's confusing to me, though. And, and this is why it's, I know we've had some some changes on the offensive line. You know, and I know like now we got Feliciano back and Mitch Moore. Surprisingly, he like wasn't as like I, I just don't remember seeing him yesterday or, you know, Sunday during the game at all. So um, that that's a surprise as well. But I know we we shipped out um, or we we cut one of our offensive linemen as well. And then we had some other things going this year. But Devin Singletary is a very good back. Yeah, Zach Moss coming out of college had me excited because the back that he was in college made me it kind of put me in the same mindset of like a Travis Henry or, mm-hmm. um, you know, not as much. I, I, I see the Marshawn Lynch comparisons. I see why people do it. I'm more on the Travis Henry, you know, I'm, I'm more there. But still, like those comparisons made me excited to say, hey, we got two guys in the backfield that can really just at any given point come and take over a game. I'm I'm really confused. Why do you think we are? I know the Patriots we did well because they were running that dime and they had at one point seven DBs on the field, like no <laughs> linebackers at all. So I get that game, but for the most part, why is it that you you know what is it that you think we're missing um, to really have a successful running game? Well, and <clears throat> what I, to be all honest, like I said, I think it's play calling. I really feel that it's play calling because if you watch games. If you go back and you look at all the film of zone, zone reads, if you look at that, look at how many yards we get. If you look at all our plays with um, like a power, power O, counter, sweep, or any play where we're pulling our center, pulling our guard, or pulling the tackle, or blocking back with a, a backside tight end coming across counters, Look at how successful we are. Our linemen do much better when they're on the move, when someone's pulling. We have been more successful getting yards with pulling linemen than we have than with running zone. I would have loved to have seen Quentin Spain. Um, and I, I, I know a lot of things happen behind the scenes that we don't know about and all that. But man, like if we would have had the offensive line we had last season, like incomplete, you know, so Ford, Spain, Feliciano, Morris and and Dawkins, if we could have that line, I really feel confident that this year would have been a completely different look on the offensive line. I'm not a huge Brian Winters fan. And I know, again, it's tough to, you know, I try not to be critical of people publicly this way, Mm -hmm. but I'm just not a fan. I didn't I wasn't happy when the Bills signed him coming from the Jets, having mm-hmm. the worst offensive line in football last year. Like, there's a reason why the worst <laughs> offensive line cut this guy. Like, he, you right. know, but that's beside the point. You know, we got him here now. He's been, the last couple of weeks, you know, we've been okay. Just not mm-hmm. as good as, um, you know, we would like. 
So before I let you go, because you, you just spent, uh, you know, the better part of an hour with me. And I know that, um, you know, you're pretty busy. So we'll let you go. But before we do, I got to ask you, man. So what's your favorite memory from your time in Buffalo? And don't give me the easy stuff. I know every time, you know, I talk to, you know, a couple people who had retired previously and always give me the easy stuff. Oh, going to the Super Bowl. I know. I know the Super Bowl was great. And, uh, you know, give me something good. And then you also mentioned before we jumped on here. Um, you played for both the Cardinals and the Bills. And the Bills are actually your, you know, you favor the Bills over the two. So if you can kind of elaborate on that as well, and then uh, then we can get out of here. Okay. Um, so the main thing here, 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 you ask about favorite memory or favorite, you know, time and stuff like that. And I will say, yeah, you're right. The Super Bowls, um, the Super Bowls were awesome. Okay. I know for me, being a ninth-round draft pick um, from a Division II school, you know that feeling. And I'll give, and I'll tell you, I got, I got like some moments um, when I stepped onto the field in the the third Super Bowl, and I got a huge picture because I was on on special teams um, of the opening kickoff. And I mean, that feeling is absolutely amazing. Okay, that was you know, one of my top, top three, okay? And I'm going to say that was probably three because of the way things have happened throughout mm-hmm. the league or throughout my years of playing. The second, my, my, that was my third. My second would have been actually being announced as a starter in a Super Bowl. I mean, oh. you know, coming from where I came from, amazing, okay? But... My favorite moment or my best moment as a player was it was my um, my second year. And I grew up, and I always wanted to be a running back. And so I always watch running backs. You know, I love Tony Dorsett. I love Marcus Allen, Roger Craig, you know, Herschel Walker, OJ, um, Dickerson, and, you know, Earl Campbell. I love those guys. And I'm like, I want to be a running back. And that was just my dream. But it didn't happen. Okay. I got to tackle them. And so <laughs> for me, it was my second year. And we were actually playing in the Coliseum against in LA in the Coliseum against the Raiders. And guess who's on the Raiders? Marcus Allen and Eric Dickerson. Okay. <laughs> Two of my idols on the other sideline, you know, but I'm playing special teams, so no big deal. And, you know, I get a chance to go in the game um, towards the end of the game. And I swear to you, they ran like a little, a little zone play or something. And I was backside. Allen got through and I tackled him. And all I remember is laying on the floor of the or laying on the ground in a coliseum and i looked up in the sky you know in la it's always like nice guys and everything like that clear in the coliseum behind in the background laying on the ground and going i just tackled marcus allen (laughs) greatest ever you know that was that feeling was like that is one memory i hope i never forget because i i just you know and then we ran to play again. They ran to play again, and I tackled them again. I'm like, 
oh my god a second <laughs> like I, I did this I, yeah, did. I did it you know it's like you know that you're an equal to one of your childhood idols you yeah. know and that to me is amazing that was that would be my most amazing moment yeah going to the super bowl awesome but tackling marcus allen yeah unbelievable you know for me and then you, you we had asked about the um you'd asked about the um organizations and stuff like that and who do i favor now i love the cardinals the cardinals they're a good organization okay um there's a lot of good people in the cardinals organization but when i came to the cardinals organization from the bills organization it was like a reality shock okay and i say that because in the bills organization i knew everyone in the front office upstairs the main office all everyone you know maybe not the scouts and stuff like that but anyone who was in that building you knew anyone who was in that building i could go and talk to them i can go in their office i could sit in their office wait for them use their telephone while they're not there you know and it was just such a super family oriented atmosphere that really you know brought us together kept us together you know from will the security guard to you know marv levy to our gm at that point was um i think uh well polian was there and um and um john butler you know go talk to him just go in their office go talk to the receptionist go talk to the guy in community relations go talk to anyone at the desk didn't have to wait behind a locked door didn't have to you know, wait for them to come get me. Just go in and see if they're in the office. They're not. They're not. You leave. Go in the ticket office. Talk to the ticket managers. Tell them what you need or ask them what they can do for you. Not stand in line to wait to get your tickets for the game if you needed extra tickets. You know, where you felt like more of an equal to the people who were upstairs mm-hmm. instead of not an equal. And, you know, and that's what we had in Buffalo. It was one of those things where, you know, everybody was there. Like, I didn't know. Like, I was with the Cardinals for three years, and the owner, Mr. Bidwell, never spoke to me. You know, I was with the Bills for three days at minicamp, and the owner came up and told me, good luck. Um, Thanks for being here. Good luck if you make it. If you don't, I wish you success. You know, yeah. and and he had a nickname for me. He called me Mr. Telephone Man because <laughs> I would always sit in the lobby and and talk to the receptionist and use the phone in the lobby. Me and um, Phil Hansen would, you know, and so. But I mean, that's the difference, and you know, and that's why I have that respect. Like I said, I love the Cardinals and the people in the or and the people who I know in the organization because they do do good things, and I know since Mr. Bidwell was passed and it was sent and given down to um, Michael Bidwell and the daughter, Nicole Bidwell, you know, they are changing the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So it is changing, but I don't know about the internal because I haven't been there in 20 years, Right. you know, so I'm speaking of 20 years ago and even the bills could have changed how they do things internally as compared to then. But I just know when I was there, that was the difference. The difference was, how you were treated from every person in the organization and 
you know, and the difference between the Cardinals. Now, I had the pleasure um, of interviewing Patricia Thomas, uh, Thurman Thomas's wife, mm-hmm. and she was on, and, and one of the things that she mentioned, because she made a comparison between this year's roster and the roster from, really, she said 91, 92, 90, really all, all four years, and, you know, really a couple around there. Um, she was saying that one of the things that she loved about the team was that they were a family. Um, she said that you guys, whether you were like getting in trouble together or whether you were doing the right things, it was always together and you were a family. And kind of your story there, I know, you know, you know, God bless uh, the memory of, of Ralph and everything. But I know you mentioned, you know, the, from the ownership down to everybody, you know, it felt like a family there. And it's just a good, it's good to hear those stories like from several different places. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell it's not fake. It was, it was real. And then especially to, to come after like the quote unquote bickering bills phase and all that stuff. It's just great to hear these stories, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, but like I said, you know, it, it was one of those things where it truly was like a family atmosphere. You, you had your groups and your cliques and stuff like that. But, like, come game day or come when there's any event, if you needed a player there or a guy there, they were there for each other, you know. Glenn Parker would have big cookouts at his house. We'd all go as a team, go paintballing, you know, defense, offense. And, and like I said, like and, and like you said, Patty said it, it was a family atmosphere from upstairs to downstairs. You know, Will the security guard was, you know, like everyone's old grandpa, you know, <laughs> with some of the stuff he would say, but, but it, it was one of those things you knew, like I said, from the security guard at the bottom to the guys upstairs in the offices, it was, it was just a, it was a great atmosphere. And even Bruce DeHaven who left the bills, he said it was like that at San Francisco, how they treated the players and how everybody was together and stuff like that. And I think that has a lot to do with how you play, how you perform, is how you're valued by the people at your company. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like it's absolutely true. I can't speak from, it from a professional football player level, but, um, you know, in, in my career in banking, you know, you go from one bank where you feel like, you know, you just have to reach numbers. Like, that's all we care about is that you reach a number. Whereas then you go to another bank. When I was in Buffalo, um, prior to moving out here, I've worked for M&T Bank. Mm -hmm. And I had one of the best leadership teams. And, you know, they value your input. They want you to feel part of, you know, big decisions, small decisions. They want, you know, you just really feel valued. So it makes you wake up every day and say, okay, I can't wait to go to work. Like, I want to actually be there. So I can understand what you mean as far as, um, you know, the way you're, the, the play on the field is affected by the way you feel in the organization. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Mr. Mark, man, I, I, I've had a blast. I, I, it's been almost an hour, so I'm gonna let you go. I, <laughs> I, I, I could talk to you. All day. I could talk football all day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I would like to do, if you don't mind at some point soon, I, I would like to do this again, like towards the end of the season. Okay. I want to, um, I kind of want to go through it because I'm hoping that we will improve in certain areas on defense. Yes. We need so, to, we better. So hopefully we can uh, get our schedules right and we can do this again because it was it was a great, great conversation with you. And I appreciate your stories and your time. Um, if you want to let everybody know where they can find you and how they can get involved with, you know, I know you mentioned the the Bills Babes if, and anything else that you might go on, have going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, my nonprofit is called Help One Foundation. 
and our website is www.helpthenumber1foundation.org. And um, what we're actually setting up right now is we're trying to do something for our Christmas um, for the kids um, with special needs is I'm setting up a thing called the 55 challenge because my number was 55. Mm -hmm. And so what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to get um, whoever donates, we're trying to get people to donate $5. Okay. But if you donate $5, we want you to get another five people and just kind of have it trickle down. So you get five people, you get five people. And so we're going to try to raise funds that way. And then what we're also going to do with that 55 challenge is we're going to pick random winners for jerseys. And I think we probably got like about 10 or 15 jerseys that we're going to raffle off and some other bills, memorabilia, stuff like that. All right, sir. Will you take care? Ladies and gentlemen, it was Mr. Mark Maddox joining me today on the Code of Conduct. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As you know, you know the drill. Take care of each other, love each other and live in peace. Yes, sir. Code of Conduct. Code of Conduct. Code of Conduct. Code of Conduct. Code of Conduct.